You're listening to the State of Love and Trust, a Pearl Jam podcast. Follow the show on social media and remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice. Now, here's Jason and Paul. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of The State of Love and Trust. It's a Pearl Jam podcast, and I'm one of your two hosts, Jason Carapesi, and alongside me, as always, is... Paul Guilieri. Less sick, Paul Less Guilieri. sick. I am uh, hopefully on the road to recovery, and uh, and as such... Oh, man. Well, you know what, Paul? Ah. <sighs> That, my good man, is the soothing sound of Paul <laughs> opening a crisp and refreshing can of Anderson Valley's Winter Solstice. Well, as you enjoy your first sip, uh, I will <sighs> tell you that this is the first sip of my last Anderson Valley Winter Solstice. I have you should, a- should have bought 94 of them like <laughs> I did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's good stuff. Um, it's amazing we haven't been sponsored yet. So, uh, <laughs> welcome to the show, everybody. Um, thanks for popping in, spending your second week of December 2022 with us. Uh, we do thank you. Uh, it's been two and a half years that we've done this now, but I think this week actually it would be two and a half years. Wow, this is episode 136, and um. You know, it's 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 before Hanukkah, it's before Christmas, it's before Kwanzaa. But you know, thank you anyways, and uh, thank you to the patrons out there um, who have been uh, waiting for the next drop in the show. We've had some issues with Paul's health and some technical stuff in the background, but we're going to sort that ASAP mm-hmm. for you. Uh, anybody who's bought a T-shirt, uh, we appreciate you as well. So, and to those who who feed the algorithm, absolutely, that might be the most to... important thing. Yeah, it's Rate, free. Review and subscribe. It costs you nothing but your but about thirty seconds. Yep. Well, this week we are going to put my notes here. We're going to talk about songs that, uh, you know, let me back up. Go. go, go. You just thanked uh, our listeners, mm-hmm. and uh, we're we're going to talk about songs uh, where Pearl, where Pearl Jam basically does the same thing, huh? The master segues. Why do I even yeah. try? <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's true. So the the theme this week is, uh, and I've had kind of thought about this uh, throughout this calendar year as the tour um, kind of went along, and thinking about the songs that the band shows, why, how often they played certain songs, and it, it kind of came to me that it feels like, and maybe I'm, you know, this has probably been the case for a while, but it kind of just dawned on me this year. There are songs that feels that feel like the band is playing them more for the fans than they are for themselves and vice mm. versa. So I figure we should talk about the songs, uh, our five songs each that we think the band plays more for us than they do for themselves. Yeah. And and we'll try and figure out why that might be about each specific song. Um, and then we have a cool, what if that probably could be a four part episode, but we're going to limit it to <laughs> not nearly <laughs> as long. Yeah, uh, because the uh, it could go on forever. So, five songs that the band we think plays more for the fans, us than themselves. Was this an interest? How did you view this exercise, Paul? Well, it's tough because take a song like Black, for example, which is my favorite Pearl Jam song. Mm-hmm. It, it, I can't look at a song like this and say, well, they just play it for us. I mean, there was a, a period of time where they weren't playing it that often, actually, because quite frankly, um, it's, it was hard to sing. Eddie literally said that live. He's like, hey, it's been a while since we played this one just because it, 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 it's hard to sing. Um, and I think as Eddie's grown older, and we've talked about this, you know, Mike has taken more of a front row, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, or a more prominent role, I should say, is a better way to phrase that in the song than, than Ed's voice. And, uh, you know, you listen to that song now and it's like, okay, well, are, are they playing it for themselves or are they playing it for, for the fans? But it, to me, it's both, you know what I'm saying? I mean, there's something special about that song, I think for the band and the fact that the song has evolved over time 
I think is a testament to that. Uh, there are other songs that I think, you know, they enjoy playing, but it's almost like a prerequisite. You know what I mean? It's almost like, mm. well, we got to play this one, obviously, right? And and I don't necessarily know if it's so much, God, I can't wait to go out there and play this one again, as much as it is, well, we kind of have to play this one again, you know? So yeah, I, I, I was having trouble differentiating between those two, you know, perspective motivations. Um, and then quite frankly, you know, and, and this was key looking at the songs and, uh, how popular they are on, uh, different platforms like iTunes, you know, what are some of the highest selling tracks and is that ever a driving force in, uh, in what makes it onto a set list? Well, it's funny you say that because and I, I think I've mentioned this before, but there were a, a few years back. Um, it was reported that Metallica chose their set list based on a geofenced um, Spotify stat sheet. So if they were playing Prague, they looked up, well, what's popular here? What's, what's really hitting the charts on Spotify here in the Prague area or in, in you know, in Czech Republic. And they'd be like, oh shit, Trapped Under Ice is, is really tech, is really playing a lot. We'll play Trapped Under Ice. Cool. And it's, it's an interesting way to kind of go about it. And I wonder if any other bands do that. I have to imagine some of them do. Yeah. And, and uh, is is there really a criticism for that? No. Like, you're, no. Give I mean, what you, they want. You, 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 exactly. You go into a place and, and this is what they like to listen to. When you have a catalog as extensive as Pearl Jams, I think that on, on one hand, there's something to be said for, hey, let's just throw them a bunch of curveballs. You know, I mean, it, it's a real treat when you're like, oh, God, you know, I've I've never heard Parting Ways before. Oh, my God, Parting Ways. You know what I mean? It's, it's but but at the same time, you know, uh, there's a lot of fans that, that you, you, you pay a lot of money to go see Pearl Jam play. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And, and there, there's probably a couple of songs that are on not necessarily your bucket list, but there's a couple of songs that you're thinking, well, it'd be a real shame. You know, if, if you haven't if, seen the band before. Or yeah. it's like your second, first or second show, and right. they haven't they haven't played in four years, and you haven't seen them before. You've missed them every time for whatever reason. You have the kids at the, at a certain time, and you couldn't afford all these things. We've heard all the stories. We've all had our own stories as to why we couldn't make a tour. Mine was two thousand. Couldn't do it. Yep. You know, just physically couldn't be in the same place as the, as, the, as they were. Um, and you miss out. And so I'm I'm always frustrated that I've missed out on so many binaural songs because I love the album a, but two, because I, I like to be able to check off as many as I can. Yeah. And so I'm looking for those ones. So we, when we saw of the girl in LA this past yeah. May, I was like, Oh shit, check it off. Check it off. Yes. Um, and it sounded great. Of course. Yes, it did. But I, that that's probably a song they play for them. If I had to guess. I would imagine. So, you know, I, 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 yeah, yeah. I don't think they're like, Hey, come on. Clearly, this crowd wants to hear. Yeah, for them, they probably want to change up the opener, as evidenced by this past tour. They change it up pretty often. And Uh, of the girl is is top ten in openers. I mean, it's almost forty times. Yeah. So, with that said, um, you know, we'll turn around. I'll I'll start this time, and I'm going to go. By the way, I want to say I didn't overthink this. A lot of times, I really overthink these and really try and like pare it, pare it down, pare it down, and I kind of just went with my gut. Okay. And my gut said to me that most of these songs are from the first five years because it's fair assessment. I, th- I, I feel like, I feel like it would be hard to say, well, they're, they're playing just breathe for us. It's like, eh, well, it's that song is a decade old. I don't know how, I don't know about that. So my number five is breath. Um, mm. As we all know, now we all know, but as many of you guys know, I love the song. It's, it might be my favorite song in the catalog. Um, doesn't mean I think it's the best one necessarily. We'll get to that when we finally end the show in you know ten years. But I think it is a song that they might feel like it has a, a moment in time. It's almost not um, not stuck in the time that it was recorded and, and played, but that it's um, again dated is the wrong word. But it, it's of the songs that they have. That song alone, stuff like that, feels kind of more um, within that time frame and almost stuck there in a sense where when they bust it out, it's very nostalgic as opposed to some other songs from that era that still can kind of sound kind of fresh. Again, I don't mind because I love the song and I think the music is fantastic and I love the vocal delivery and how it just gets to an apex and yada, 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 the solo. 
I don't need to go on anymore. But it feels like, especially because they don't play it all too much, it's like, okay, when's a special occasion? Hey, did some guy who did something really great or have a you know a bad situation to fall upon him request it? Okay, let's do it. So for me, Breath is my fifth choice for a song. They probably play more for us than, than they do. That's fair. What do you got? I'm going to go Yellow Lead better here. Mm. It's uh, I for, for, you know, it, what's interesting about this song is that it, an argument could be made that it, it's really more of a, um, of a workshop, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, w- when you think about the composition of this song and the, the, the fact that it's, it, it, it's not necessarily lyrically as coherent and structured as this as other Pearl Jam songs. I mean, in, in a lot of ways, it was uh, it was an exercise. Lyrically coherent is a fun phrase for that song. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's also, uh, you know, the top closer by a mile of any other Pearl Jam song. I mean, it, it, it's, it's upwards of 350 times this song has closed out a show. Next closest is Rockin' in the Free World, and that that's that about 170 or so. Mm. So, I mean, clearly, you know, when when they end a show, they want to end it with Yellow Lead better. It's because that's that's what the, they think the fans want to hear. You know what I mean? Um, was it, I can think of a fifty songs that would be beautiful closers, uh, but th- this one takes the cake for a reason, and I think it's because uh, it's 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 not a way to appease the fans. But I think in a lot of ways, it's 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 a give them what they want kind of a uh, send off. So I I very much thought the same way as you that it's it's one of those songs. It's like if they if they if they didn't think people liked it as much as they think they like it, they probably wouldn't keep it in the bag. The only asterisk for me on that one is that I think Mike loves the shit out of playing it, and he kind of oh says, for sure. I mean, how many times have we seen a concert basically and Ed saying goodbye? And you can probably tell, you can't see it, but you can tell Mike is kind of like gesturing, hey, look, come on, let me, it's like, my, my strat's here, we're here, give me four and a half minutes. So I, 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 I like that, I like that shout. Um, my number four is Daughter. Good call. I think, uh, it, as evidenced by this past tour, where they really shortened it down, the amount of times they played it where it was not tagged very much at all three and a half four minutes sometimes like we're talking oh. close to the album length um it, it it almost i don't want to say they don't sound uh enthused to play it but it feels like at least in this last tour it feels more kind of um through the motions um they've played that song so many times there's a lot of songs they've played a ton and a lot of these i'm, I'm sure are going to pop up on this list but for me that one um I don't know that dynamically it's interesting enough to them that they would bust it out time and time again. Mm-hmm. And I think it's kind of their way of saying, we know you guys love this song. We're going to play it for you, but we want to jam in another song as opposed to a three and a half minute tag when we're trying to pare down these set lengths because we're damn near 60. Well, actually, Matt now is 60 as of last <laughs> week. Um, you know, the two, 15, two hours and 10 minutes, come like that, 23 yeah. songs-ish. You, you know, and that's, hey, that's part of the reason why I wish they would not play as many covers, because, like, if we've got limited time here, let's get all these songs out that I haven't heard. Uh, uh-huh. I would say Daughter's probably in the mix at four for me. I think that's a fair assessment. What do you got next? Uh, it's really hard for me to not choose Better Man here. Mm. Uh, I, you know, 549 times the song's been played. About, about uh, if, if I'm reading these percentages right, 51% on the uh, live footsteps. That's the um, percentage of Pearl Jam shows that this song has been played at, if I'm not mistaken. That is, well, I've actually spoken to Dave about this, Gantash. Okay. And he says that it is the percentage of times it has been played from the first time it was played to the last time it was played. So if a song hasn't been played in eight years, you might see the percentage, like Get Right, for example, might have a percentage of like 12, 14%. And you're like, it's probably more like three. But because that's because it stops at the last time it was played. Got he it. said he okay. would add a column for all time to my from uh, my request. But I don't know if it's there yet. Well, that's okay. I mean, you know, look, Better Man probably was played at the last exactly. couple of for shows this of this most recent tour. You know, yeah, so I, exactly. I think, you know, we're, 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 this, this percentage of 51, I think is pretty, I mean, you're... you're 
for for a song to have been left off a Pearl Jam record for as long as this one was, because this the feeling that it was just simply too poppy, uh, for it to, to now hold a, a place uh, as one of the few tracks that that have been played at more than half of, of every Pearl Jam's show ever played. Period. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> that doesn't happen by accident. And I think I think the primary reason it happens is because fans love this song. It's a it's a beautiful ballad. It's uh it's one of the top three most popular songs on iTunes for Pearl Jam. It's kind of iconic with uh with a, a huge segment of the fan base. So I think when when this song makes it onto a set list, uh, I mean for it basically being an Eddie song, yeah, pre Pearl Jam. I don't know how this this song isn't essentially put on a set list for the fans. I, I'm not saying the band doesn't enjoy playing it, but it's not like they all had a hand in, in composing it. You know what I mean? So, I, I like the call. Um, it is uh, it's a song that I think Eddie does kind of like playing. Oh sure, um, and the crowd because, gets into it. Of course, it's, it's a great sing along. When we say you know likes playing, it's uh, there's a, a high bar. Like I think they all they enjoy playing all their music. Um, but it's it's in context to the rest of it, right? So, I think I think Eddie has really come around over the last I don't know, probably a long time now, where he loves playing it because um, he's come around to how it makes him feel with the audience. It isn't so much for the audience it's, itself, but the connection he has with the audience, especially because yeah. they, they'll sing the first verse and. There's, yep. there's a give and take there that may not be mm-hmm. the same as other songs um, in the in the catalog. So I, I think it's a very wise choice. Um, I don't have it in my five, but I I, I recognize that it probably should be. Um, but you'll see why uh, with my last three here. <laughs> uh, number three for me is Black. Oh, it's um, and just to call back to or go back to Better Man for a second. I look at guys like Stone and Jeff who have little to do in Better Man and I don't know that that they get the same love and joy out of playing Better Man half the time as Ed might, um, even Mike to a degree. This song I feel like they have um, more interest in playing because they're doing more stuff. Um, but I think because Ed is such a, a force, he is the leader he makes the set list. He dictates the track listing on albums. He has the final cut for all my movie buffs um, when it comes to what makes the record. Um, and I think when you hear him sing this song now, it's not that he's not into it, but I think he's trying to do his best for the listeners because it holds such a high value to so many people like you. Yeah. Um, he wants to do it justice for you. But if he could like not play it like... 50% of the time as he is right now if like if it's been played 70% of the shows if he could do it like 35% of the shows I think he'd be happier just because it's it's just hard, like you said it's hard to do um, yeah I, I agree it's actually the next one on my list as well oh is there but for okay. a sli- slightly different reason though go for it I think that there was a, a distinct termination on Ed's part band's part in fact to not make media, a video for the song mm-hmm. and I think that it's a deeply personal song to Ed and this song has, I think, become something so much bigger than I think Eddie ever maybe even wanted it to. Um, you know, there's a reason they didn't want to make a video for this song when 10 came out. And, uh, you know, it's become this this staple of, of live shows. And uh, in many ways, I, I, you know, I don't know where Ed lands with this song personally now, you know, but, but I know it had a deeply personal he had a deeply personal attachment to it for a, a long time and uh, I mean with age and time comes uh, comes change you know so I I don't know what his relationship is to the subject matter of the song and, and the, the, the track itself but in many ways like I said with, with Mike really taking a more prominent role center stage with, with the ending of this song it really has become a showcase for Mike uh, similar to Leadbetter but it's unique in the sense that you know Yellow Leadbetter has been played 386 times and 
you know, almost 350 of those 386 were as a, as a closer for a show. So, I mean, it, it, it for me, that song has a, a particular function in a Pearl Jam show. Black is not that way. Black will sometimes end uh, a portion of a set. You know what I mean? It might it might end the uh, the, the, the first set, uh, but it, it's rarely. It, I don't think it's ever a song that closes a show. Uh, I'm gonna have to go back and look, but I don't think so. Yeah. I, I think this song now is very much for the fans. I, I think that it's it's very obvious that it, it's it's one of the top handful of favorite songs amongst amongst the fan base. It's the number two highest, you know selling song on, on iTunes. It's hmm. the, the second most popular song by Just Breathe. And, uh, you know, it's a hit at a Pearl Jam show, and, and which is amazing because of its... If you think of but some of the songs that are most often played, they are not short ones. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, you, 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 you don't normally find a four and a half minute alive on a, a, a live Pearl Jam bootleg. You know, Porch, same thing. Even Flow, Black. I mean, you know, these are songs that daughter with the tags. I mean, these are songs that go on and on and on and on. And, and it's it's to me, it's an indication that they, they are essentially for the fans at this point in time. So, and I think, too, uh, on top of that, there's <clears throat> some of the um, some of the fodder, some of the, the stories and sentiments that were sung about, written about in those first few albums, maybe the first decade, really. They were young men. They were under 40, under 35 for, for most of those, under 30 for like the first yeah. three. Yeah. And as we've discussed before, uh, you the, the life experience you have then, very different than, than what it is in the last 10 years, uh, no in, in the 50s. So, you know, for a guy who's been happily married for the last 12 years, uh, with that person for 22 years, Mm-hmm. How many, you know, ha, ha, when you sing a line like I, "I wish, I wish you could be mine," or I can't, I always fuck up the lyrics and I'm gonna come off the, off the top of my head. I know someday you'll have a beautiful life. I know you'll be a star in somebody else's sky. But why can't, why can't it be mine? mine? There you go. Thank you. Um, how do you sing that with the same emotion? Even if he had the voice of 25 year old Eddie, w- would it sound the same? Probably not at, at 60 because or 58. Whatever the hell he is, because it he doesn't feel that way anymore. Then now some really 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 good singers can find a way to channel that, and I'm sure he does to a degree. Yeah, but like he's not feeling this, and even the stuff like even release, even Better Man, these songs are he's I want to say gotten over because obviously with um, his dad's stuff on the on the uh, Earthling record, there's he, there, a bit of more closure came then that was only last year yeah but there's just a different approach to the song now and you have to think a song like black is is right there my number two is uh for a lot of the same reasons jeremy Mm. you know this is this is a song that i mean he had he asked the crowd to sing um most of the you know the outro vocal part um or at least help him, if not just outright sing. Uh, it's a song they've sung, they've performed so many damn times. Uh, I think they still do enjoy the rush and the, and the vibe and the energy, but I think that's because of what the crowd does. Again, it's, it's that back and forth, um, kind of like what Ed has on, on Better Man, but this is the full band. So I think they get off on that, but at the same time, if that wasn't there, I don't know that they would play it nearly as much and we, and we saw them get sick of it in 95 and yeah. fuck it fuck around with it with no jeremy yeah a handful of times so i mean the same thing Good happened point. with garden you know yeah. and, and garden's not on my list but they they got bored with garden i mean so was like i, I changed it up and, and michael's like you do what now uh <laughs> they had to play that like eight times but it's it's this is a song that even though it's still relevant to our culture and that's awful um I, I can't i just don't get the feeling that they play it for anyone but those listening and almost like a psa because huh. the content is still relative and for the, sure 
it's still relevant, they um, I, I think they almost feel a duty to keep playing it, which actually surprises me that they haven't played Rival more, but does make me think that's kind of why they bring Glorified G back every now and again. Um, because again, that song, as much as I enjoy it, isn't the most musically interesting song on that record. No. Which is why it's more rarely played. But I mean, it could go by, it could be, get right, I mean, there you go, tip of my hand. Glorified G could become like a get right, where they're just like, yeah, you know, that's, that's fine. Hey man, 12.9%. It's, uh... <clears throat> I'm just saying. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm saying, if you look at the whole catalog, I mean, it, it, I, I can make an argument that it's, it's in the, uh... It's in the upper half, actually, of, uh, of of most played songs. What Jeremy is? Uh, no, Glorified G. I mean, you know, t- t- given the fact that Versus came out as long ago as it did, I mean, there's a lot of songs that are under 12. percent I mean, comparatively yeah. speaking. I mean, how, I mean, how front loaded is that? I mean, that's probably the first. It's it, it's very front loaded. I mean, if you look at the, the amount of tracks that are. Uh, Above it, I mean, the vast, obviously, the, the I mean, insignificant, surprisingly enough, has been played more. But uh, the vast majority of the songs are, are, you know, a handful of covers and, and mostly songs from the first three or four records. Yeah. Well, nevertheless, I, I feel like Jeremy is a song that they, um, while they enjoy that energy, it's because of what that give and take is with the audience and because the content is still very relevant. I think they feel a duty to keep that song alive because of that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how, if you feel the same way about that song. I don't know if it's your number two or number one or whatever, but uh, that's kind of where I sit. And I love Jeremy, but that's where I sit with it. I hear you. I, uh, I, I'm actually amazed that it's played as often as it has. I kind of feel like with that video, it had a run, and I, there's a part of me that... that has always felt like they they consciously don't play this song as often as I thought that they would. Mm-hmm. But it's been played 566 times. I mean, it's been played a, a boatload of times. Yeah. Um, maybe it's because I don't necessarily hear them play it every time I see them play versus some other songs on my list that I, I can say with confidence every show I've ever seen them play, they've played this song. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, it's just it's a song that's been played a lot more than I think I give it credit for and it, it, it probably sounds ridiculous to the listener that I am as surprised as I am that it has been played <laughs> as much as it is what do you got number two my number two uh, I'm going with Porch I mean the, the simple fact that it was played both nights of the show I was gonna say <laughs> we, we, we went to here in LA it's like yeah. really again <laughs> uh, you know I, I go back to the Unplugged show to me, it was a statement song, and from that point forward, it has just been um, just this absolute uh, given at a Pearl Jam show that it, this is the song they're going to jam out to. And uh, it, to the point now where, I mean, like I said, you know, two nights in LA, they played both nights. It, it, it's just that song to me that they jam out to and it, you know this is where Eddie's going to climb the rafters this is where Eddie's going to you know swing on something o- over the crowd uh, it, it, it's it's that moment where as a band there is a uh, there's a very very playful interaction uh, now for a long time it was a reckless reckless yeah. abandonment quite <laughs> frankly um, but I think it has it is and, and to, I, I could argue that it, it, it continued actually uh, you know when we saw them for the what was it the lightning bolt show i mean he, oh, those, they had the orbs, green those green orbs yeah i mean they, they were he was swinging on those things i mean if one of those things came loose and it landed on him in the middle of the crowd i mean <laughs> so i don't know i just i've always felt that when i hear this song it, it it's uh it's just an opportunity for all of us to rock out together so i like the shout um i didn't include it and i I say that only because I think they all really enjoy the jam. I think yeah. um, it's a part of the show that's that's still fresh to them because they've played these songs so many times. And yes, they've played Porch a million fucking times, but the jams are always slightly different. And I think they do enjoy mixing it up a touch. So I think for you, you're, you're um, part of your rubric is. Is it a song they would prefer not to play, but just feel like they have to because the fans want to hear? Kind of Absolutely. A thing? Yeah. yeah. See, I, I think for me, 
in some cases it is that but you know for, for certain songs but I, I think that it for me it was less about you know we would prefer not to but we feel like we have to and more you know we have to because it, it, it's a Pearl Jam show and this is what they want to hear well I, I think it's thing. both I think it's a combination yeah. of both so I, I you know this is a song that people have loved for for 31 years um, and, and obviously the, the jumping off point is probably the the unplugged show and then you have Pink Pop and everybody yeah. seeing that video back home you know and hearing about it and then you see the MTV news briefs here and there in the, in the 90s and you see holy shit he was yeah. climbing where he was doing this and so it, it, it became this thing that was beyond just the music it's like what, are the, what was the music about it was just showing that you could go above and beyond and, and just reach for the limits the, em- the edge of the envelope kind of thing and um, it's it's a song that I think now they play it because they know it still means that to a lot of the fans yeah but I think at the same time much like Jeremy they do like um, I think that interaction uh, that, that give and take is key but then I also think the band really does enjoy playing the improvs uh, in, in the interludes in between because it is one of the few moments in, in a Pearl Jam show now that isn't exactly the same as it's been every single time. Yeah. So I totally love the choice. I didn't include it, but I thought that you might. And so we're ticking a few boxes here, which is good. I, I have a, I have a feeling though, we are going to agree on the top one here. Okay. Um, you can let me know out of the gate if I'm, if I'm correct. Uh, my number one is alive. Is it also yours? Uh, it is, yeah. Okay, well then we can just have a discussion. So Alive, I mean, listen, this song had a transformation, right? It was one thing, it's become something else. It was the pivot It's very point. much, we're all still alive now. Yeah, it was yeah. It was obviously a major pivot point after Rothskild didn't play it for three or four months until November 6th, 2000 in Seattle. That version is so cathartic. And since that time, it has grown and grown and grown into this we 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 are all one thing i mean we chose it when we did our our um fantasy set list at, at the beginning of the tour back in may uh-huh. as, as the closer like how do you end a show other than, than a two and a half minute mic solo and, and he just walking through the crowd and handing out stuff and pouring wine and you know jeff swinging around in circles and you know it it's a song that they could play with their eyes closed i mean there's a reason why I didn't choose Even Flow, and it's because I think those guys genuinely love fucking playing that song and don't give a shit. I, I, I do, but the, you can make a compelling argument. The you, video I, oh, for you, the song is literally them playing live. I mean, it's it, you absolutely it's, could. Um, but I think between those two, I think they really love playing Even Flow, even if it is something that everybody wants to hear. Well, not, I shouldn't yeah. say everybody, because there are some fans, some nerd fans who are like, oh, okay, this is my bathroom song. I've heard Even Flow 45 times. Like. <laughs> Hey, did you hear Mike on the last tour? It's fucking yeah. crazy. Um, I, I've Alive, never seen anybody leave for even. Yeah, I mean, that's, I that's mean, ridiculous. That, that's that's six minutes of fun right there. Yeah. But Alive, <laughs> you could say as much as I love the song and, and, and I love being in the moment and it's that that's the apex of the concert for me. That's that that's it. It's for us. It, it's they, they, they could put that in their sleep. You know, I haven't heard. I don't know if you've heard um, a cut where Ed sounds as invested in singing that song as as we do mm, in a long yeah. time. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's. I think what makes this song special is is what you pointed out, which is that there's a transformation, and it's now become a vehicle for the band and the crowd to collectively share in this this ode of gratitude and this uh, this celebration of life and uh, it's it, it's hard to say that this isn't for the fans you know what I mean I mean you're, you're it's very much about them in a lot of ways now uh, even though the song was never about them um, in a lot of ways that chorus at the end it's uh, it's about all of us you know well we it like the verses we're... don't even matter yeah, it's exactly. Way to get the it's exactly. In a lot of ways, it is. And for me, it, it, you know, when you say, "What's it like seeing Pearl Jam live?" The first image that pops into my head is being on the floor and turning around and seeing tens of thousands of hands just all like you know, 
in unison, you know, hey, hey, I mean, it's, uh, it, it, that's Pearl Jam Live, you know, and uh, Alive is, is the anthem of Pearl Jam Live, so, yeah, gotta go with it. Uh, what do you guys think? Do we miss anything obvious? Um, I feel like we've ticked all the major boxes. Other songs that I, that I considered. Do, um, do the evolution. That I, was a very, that was on my list. Do the evolution yeah. was right there. The elderly woman was on my elderly woman was on my list. Uh, corduroy on my list. Uh-huh. Um, even release. I think they don't play it a lot, but I think you see people in the crowd reacting a certain way. And I think now with, with a bit of the closure that Ed has gotten, that it's, it's maybe not as much about him anymore as it is everybody else. But I think it, I, it didn't. I had Lucan on my short list too. I could totally see that. Yeah. It, it's, how as how a, is that relevant anymore to him? Uh, well, it, it's not. <laughs> I mean, he's in a place now where he doesn't yeah. have to worry about some loony, you know, dr- driving a van into his wall. But uh, it's, it's just one of those frenetic, fast paced songs that, uh, it's just fun. You know what I mean? And I think the crowd, uh, it's, it's at a pace that's dramatically more accelerated than pretty much anything in the catalog except for blood. So it it actually even more so than blood. So go maybe, (laughs) maybe go. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, there you go. Let us know what you guys think. Five songs. You think the band plays more for us than they do for themselves. Maybe we'll, we'll flip the script in a few episodes. Um, but for now, we're going to move on to another what if. We like to do what ifs every now and again. This one might have been the first or second one we ever wrote down two and a half mm-hmm. years ago when we started like knocking out ideas for shows and segments and stuff. This one is, um, again, I told you at the beginning of the episode, this could be a very long co- I actually wish we had more voices on this because it, it could be really, really interesting. But what if George Bush was never elected? Yeah. I mean, just I could hit pause right now, and you guys be like, "Well, we could be going off for hours." Like I said, yeah. Um, and this may be a two-part segment for us. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure we could. We'll get started here and go down some timeline, and I'd be like, "All right, we gotta wrap this thing up." Um, let's just say this: I think there's a massive timeline shift in the band. I yeah. think it's a massive time. I mean, think about all the things that the band reacted to musically that came from that that point and, and now, to be clear we're talking george bush jr here junior not, not yes senior. Not, not not senior george uh walker bush not george, george w. walker w. Yeah. w um quite a painter <laughs> they're not bad i'm not gonna say it. they're not bad yeah, um yeah. so yeah massive timeline shift so you think about the events that happened after that man was president and what may not have happened and those things that ha- that would have that did happen that may not have happened um that influenced Pearl Jam's music and the tone and the lyrics uh, well, and the choices they made I, I mean I, I mean I, I'm going to tell you right now 2000 okay. presidential election who did George Bush who did W defeat Al Gore yes. Al Gore has been a figurehead and in many ways the face of environmentalism in this country for a long time and so much of Pearl Jam's music is driven by um, the, the 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 need, and, and it's a very very important and human need. So in no way am I suggesting this is a Pearl Jam thing because it's not. It's a global thing. But I mean, climate change is something that uh, is very dear to the band's heart, and I think that you know we ended up with a, a president that I, I don't think prioritized the environment in the same way. Uh, you know the incumbent vice president at the time, Al Gore would have, uh, I think the, you know, I don't know if you want to call it nefarious or, or, or suspect circumstances that the contested win, mm. uh, you know, with the, the, the stopping of the recount Florida, I, I don't know. I just think that it, it lit a fire under them. And I think a lot of the music that we see, I mean, obviously right act doesn't happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, you, you you do not get riot act. So what what do you get? Well, I mean, you kind of have to fit the jump forward into the future, and you have to kind of see you know what happens when uh, when Obama gets elected. What kind of an album did we get? Well, we got we got Backspacer. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, you know we might have seen stylistically a uh, a more 
upbeat. I don't know. Either upbeat or um, um, very differently inspired. Yeah, perhaps hopeful band than than we did. I mean, you know, some of the the darker the, the darker era of Pearl Jam's music happened to occur during George W. Bush's presidency. Yeah. It's just it, it's hard to argue. And the guy was president of the of the United States from 2001 to 2009, you know, so it's his two terms. And, and during that period of time, we had uh, essentially binaural. Um, we had Riot Act. We had Avocado. Um, I, I think that's an era of the band's music that uh, was was very reactive in a lot of ways. I think that the music of that time was was far more um, experimental. More, there, there's a bit more art rock on a, on a record like uh, binaural. I think that uh, in in many ways, avocado was an attempt to get back to the kind of music that uh, kind of made Pearl Jam hum for a long time. They, but they just weren't that band anymore. And, and I think in, in a lot of ways that that album for many fans has not aged as well. Avocado. Uh, I, I think Riot Act is consistently towards. I mean, look. <laughs> God bless Brendan here, but it, it's consistently towards the bottom of most fans' lists if you ask them to rank albums. And mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I I like Binaural, but it, it was not an accessible album to me when I first heard it. It took me some time to kind of you know really wrap my head around it, and, and it, it, I've grown to appreciate it a lot more. And there are a lot of songs on there that I, I actually genuinely like and and uh, have a great affinity for. But it's 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 hard to argue that. Um, you know George W. Bush not getting elected in uh, in two thousand during that presidential election. It, it it it's it would be a game changer for the band. I mean, I, I don't think Pearl Jam as we know it exists in the same way. Uh, yeah, I mean, the whole state of the of, of the country would be different in a lot of ways. Well, <laughs> there, there were. Awesome I mean, there, <laughs> I mean, everything from campaign finance reform to. Uh, you know, gerrymandering. There, there are so many elements of American politics that were utterly reshaped during those ten years or eight years, uh, and I think so much of that played a role in the kind of music Pearl Jam was was writing. So, I mean, let's think about the things that that happened, or I should say, let's think about the things that may not have happened if Al Gore was president. Okay, nine uh, eleven. There was a a memo on the desk that said bin Laden determined to strike within America. Does that get ignored under a core presidency? I don't know. I I can't. I I, I have to think that it probably wouldn't have been uh, uh, ignored the same way. And maybe we avert that. And then maybe because of that, we avert two wars in the Middle East. And because of that, we avert all like think about the dominoes. I mean, that, that the, the Medicare Modernization Act as well. I mean, <laughs> and then you got the yeah, our, our entire healthcare system is different because of this. All of that. You've got um, the, the way Katrina, Hurricane Katrina was handled. You, there you go. <laughs> You've got um, the assault weapons ban lapsing. Yeah, it's a big one. You've got Citizens United in 08, I believe, right? Mm hmm. So, I mean, well, does the financial crisis in 2008 yeah. happen? It, now, here's the thing. mind you, listen, th- this is not Jason and Paul saying that every ill that the country experienced from, is, is directly Absolutely. attributed to George W., but that is not what we're saying at all. We're simply looking at signature events that happened under a culture and climate of a uh, political regime, a presidency, and we're saying that you know there were a lot of contributing factors, factors to that, a lot of contextual factors as well, but with an entirely different president. I mean, it, it it's it would be erroneous to assume that all of the events that transpired would have played out exactly as they yeah. did. I mean, it's and just, listen, no no one's ever said Al Gore is the most liberal person on the earth, and you could say, especially under Bill Clinton, who is probably one of the most conservative Democrats ever to be in in the White House, that it may have been a pretty centristy, almost mild conservative approach. It, it may have not, been, yeah. You know, it, it could have been, you know, the, your typical, like what many people um, discuss when they, when they say that they hate politics where, you know, all those, all those people on both sides are corrupt. They're all in it for the money. Blah, blah, blah. He he <clears throat> may be one of those kind of, he might've been one of those guys. We don't know. We don't know how, how affected it would have been. All I can tell you is I think the chances are greater that some of these events don't happen. 
They, Without they, a question. I mean, so, I'm, I'm, on, the, on the most literal level, we don't get Bush Leaguer, but yeah, well, for <laughs> but, sure. but I, I also don't think we get the three albums that we got in, in, the, in that not decade. At all. Either. Not at all. Maybe, maybe my, maybe my role, because my role came out before. That's was, fair. Right yeah, around. that's true. Maybe, maybe we put that one aside, but Riot Act, 100%, that does not happen the way that that happens. And uh, Avocado, 100%, it doesn't happen that way. All the... Uh, anti-war stuff on that record mm-hmm. all of the despair and um anger worldwide suicide anger, frustration i mean it's um those two records especially for me are you you probably said it right backspacer might be the next thing up but again they were what uh that was 09 so that they, they were 17 years 18 years 19 years um no sorry nine years sorry eight, nine years older at that point when Obama came in, are they feeling as hopeful nine years younger under a Democrat in the way? I don't know. You, you just, you just don't know because we're talking earlier about, you know, songs they wrote in 91, they would react to ne- differently now if they had a similar. Uh, uh, well, I'll, I'll be honest with you, man. I mean, it, it, in many ways, right. Or binaural pardon me was the, the most experimental album that they had produced. The, yes. the binaural recording techniques notwithstanding it was extremely atmospheric it was very somber very dark mm-hmm. uh there was a lot of criticism but it was it was more social i think than it was um it, there's a lot of social commentary on that record less so directed at, at particular politics and, and and you know political stances as, as it was directed at uh, just our, our societal struggles uh, as a nation um and I, I think that in many ways, I wouldn't have been surprised. I mean, look, the album did not do well, right? But did it, it, does Pearl Jam double down on that and just continue to immerse themselves and, and play around with that experimental sound? See, or or do we get something like Avocado faster? You, you know, know that, it's hard to, from a musical perspective, I don't know. But I will say that if, if Bush is not there and Gore <laughs> is kind of the person we think that he is or would have been, as president, I think without much of a political axe to grind at that time, would they have gone deeper inside themselves? Like they no had question. been on yield and, and part of no code. Uh, you have to be right. Cause you know, Eddie suffered from writer's block during the recording of binaural. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, what happened in that election in 2000 clearly helped burst that bubble because mm-hmm. he had a lot to say over the next. Oh my years. gosh. Yeah. So, <laughs> which is why I say that right act tour is one, one of my favorites. Because mm-hmm. they, there was a there was a, a fire in the belly that hadn't been there since probably ninety two, um, and it, even though the the songs were different and they were expressing their anger in a different kind of way, there was fire. So even if they were playing a song like Half Full, which isn't the same song musically as Jeremy, the intensity at which they were performing it was there. And so the whole yeah. show felt up here the whole time. Yeah. Even, even this, even the song, the soft stuff, thumbing my way, coming out of nowhere. Okay, cool. That's your little reprieve. But then we're going to bring right back up. And even the stories in between, you know, uh, Ed talking to us, that, that was a very feisty tour. And then you have, of course, vote for change. Vote for change ain't happening. Yeah. And that was that, a big thing for them. No question. I, I, I'm going to read you a quote from Eddie Vedder. Uh, this is when uh, Binaural came out. Mm-hmm. said we'd rather challenge our fans and make them listen to our songs than give them something that's easy to digest there's a lot of music out there that's very easy to digest but we never want to be a part of it <laughs> what year was that that was uh let's see that came out the interview with eddie on uh february 5th 2000 and no i'm sorry uh gabriella august of 2000 August 2000. So if you if you go back and listen to the bootleg for the July 8th, 2003 Madison Square Garden, New York City show, you can also watch it. It's on DVD or probably on YouTube. At a certain point, I forget when, Eddie mentions something about Good Charlotte. Ah. It says, they sound like, I'm going to butcher this, but I'm going to paraphrase it. They sound like if you ate a popsicle that had been stuck up somebody's ass. Oh, jeez. But that, you know, some people are into that kind of thing. That was the joke. Yeah. But you're right. Like, they weren't there at the time to make the pop music that everyone could easily digest. They were going to make what was going to be challenging 
the listener. And I don't, I don't know how much of that was due to the circumstances of what was around them, or if it's just where they were from a musical standpoint. And if the lyrical content would be different, but it sure feels like it's the former. So I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's really fascinating to see, you know, where the band would have headed. I mean, you, you think about the songs that didn't make it onto, um, binaural because it was determined that they, uh, they just didn't fit that record. You know, songs like sad and in the moonlight education, fatal, um, you know, fatal was one of Chad, Chad Blake's favorite tracks off that, uh, recording session. So I don't know. There's just a part of me that thinks that, uh, we start to see a very different sonic evolution of Pearl Jam than, than we would have. So curious what do you guys think about um about this? You know, it's obviously we're just kind of this is the Cliff Notes version. People still use yeah. Cliff Notes? Is that still a thing? Yeah. <laughs> I, I honestly don't know. I haven't used them since high school when I was meant to read a, a lot of books that I didn't read. <laughs> <laughs> i'm trying to think of all the all the classic books that you read in high school like death of a salesman and stuff like that where i just like ah, i'm not reading this where's the yeah. notes? oh i was a bad english student sorry sorry my english teacher paul um there's more to this that i'm sure many of you have, have good thoughts on that will spark more conversation online so uh, i I wish that you would comment with those thoughts. I'm, I'm sure we've, we forgot something and we're, I'm not hitting everything, but um, yeah, let us know what you think about that. It's obviously a very open-ended question. <laughs> yeah. Um, this no band is the last 22, the, the, really the last two thirds of their career. So let us know, let us know what you think about that. Uh, but we will move on now to our lyric of the week. Lyric of the week this week comes from the versus record second to last track to go on that record we're going with rats they don't eat don't sleep they don't feed they don't see they're the guns when they moan and squeak lift the dirt off a larger one's feet they don't push don't crowd congregate until they're much too loud fuck to poke till they are dead drink the blood of this called this prayer all right rats um this is the very first first the first eight lines here um paul what do we got uh man talk about a dismal <laughs> view of, of human nature yeah. <laughs> uh, i i do love the the michael jackson uh call with the ben of course yeah but i mean obviously that's not um that's not what the song is about you know what i mean i i think this idea that uh i'm just looking at the lyrics one more time here uh they don't push they don't crowd congregate until they're much too loud you know they don't eat they don't sleep they don't feed they don't seethe it's uh it's really looking at the 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 most base uh, depraved aspects of human nature uh, in many ways, the very things that make us human, you know, our our, our yeah. flaws, our faults, and uh, it's it's comparing us to literally a, something that caused the plague. <laughs> and I think symbolically, in a lot of ways, that's what the song is. It, it's, well, it's we kind of we kind of caused COVID. That's so. what I'm saying. In a lot of ways, the song is like <laughs> yeah. it's it's very prescient in the sense that it's you know it, it, it's Eddie pointing out that we are in many ways a blight and a plague to this planet um and to to each other and uh you know we have a choice we have an ability to to rise above that and and be better and i think the band now is deeply committed to that call to action but there was a time i think where they were just as equally deeply committed to pointing out how brutally we're failing at that (laughs) so you know new york city just posted a job listing for a new position in the city government. I don't know if you heard about this. No, it is the rat czar. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Uh, one of the desired qualifications was, I shit you not, highly motivated and somewhat bloodthirsty. God. Also, 
having, quote, a swashbuckling attitude, crafty humor, and genera, <laughs> general aura of badassery. Okay. Real job posting. <laughs> Real job posting. I, I wish we had a president with congressional majorities with these descriptions to permanently minimize the people, the rats, I think this song is talking about because that would be just dandy. Um, <laughs> rats was written 30 years ago, and, and yet it feels as applicable today as it did then to me. And I'm not going to pretend I've been nonpartisan or neutral before in this show. I have not. I've been pretty honest about that. Um, I think at worst, I've shown that I believe common decency should be the bar. And for whatever reason, that seems to be considered liberal these days. Okay. Um, so with that said, this feels like a beautifully poetic way to illustrate a large chunk of the conservative movement in this country. Now, that isn't to say the left is devoid of these descriptions. It's just not a competition if someone wants to play whataboutism. So the line that really sticks with me right now is licks the dirt off a larger one's feet, which, and let's all be honest here. You all thought like me that it was lick the dirt off Elijah Wan's feet. You know, no, I did. I never thought that really the, the Houston Rockets center, Hakeem Elijah. I know who he is, but I, I, I'd never lick the dirt off Elijah Wan's feet. It, that's what I thought. I know so many of you thought the same thing. Don't lie <laughs> to me and tell me you knew what it was. Okay. Well, don't, don't bat. I'm, I'm thinking to myself, why are we bad mouthing the dream? Why? <laughs> but anyways, the, um, the bootlicking that is so many Republicans, um, and what they've done magnified, of course, since Trump came into focus seven years ago, and it's been plentiful and unabashed. And you've got the real psychos who buy into his nonsense, like Marjorie Taylor Greene, the now former congressman, uh, Madison Hawthorne, yeah. uh, the two-time, two-time governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, uh, Colorado's uh, Lauren Boebert. I mean, the list goes on. These people like happily lick this asshole's boots. He, they, just, <sighs> they just do. Then you've got the hypocrites, right? You, this, this, the, the quasi old school Republicans who pretend to fight for the working man, but make all the same backdoor deals with corporate America that the worst of the Democratic Party does too. Um, yeah, you know, the old, the old school politics and the kind we could all get behind hating together. These are the ones I really have a problem with because they know better. These are the ones who don't push, don't crowd, congregate into the much too loud. They let the MAGA psychos be the loud ones while they get to pretend to be concerned by the nationalism and racism. Hell, Trump just had dinner with Kanye and Nick Fuentes. And after telling Vice News, there's some Republican senators and congresspeople were told about this. So after they say, yeah, it was deplorable. They shouldn't do, he shouldn't have done that. And then they're asked, well, would you still support him? Oh yeah. hundred percent. You got to put it into context. You know, there's a, there's a lot of things. It's like, are you fucking kidding me? Are you kidding me? So you know, I'm looking at every Republican pretending to support Herschel Walker right now. That's kind of where we're at. You know, that man <laughs> is guaranteed to have CTE. That man is not smart uh, at all. He's proven as much and clearly has no morals or ethics considering everything he's said and done regarding abortion. But the Republicans want that Senate seat. They, they, so they'll, they'll pretend Walker is the real deal. And as soon as he loses to Raphael Warnock, God willing, and that's that that ends, I think, today in Georgia, if I'm not mistaken, um, they'll toss him aside like a used condom, which coincidentally would have been something Walker could have utilized a few times, for being honest. So rats in rare form. <laughs> oh, baby rats for some reason. Uh, this one is considered, I guess like a lesser track off of versus probably because of the metaphors that Ed's choosing to use. Like this comparison to rats is like, Oh, that's like, that's silly, whatever. Um, but I mean, and, and because a lot of the rest of the record is really fantastic. So it's a high bar, but this song and this verse, especially are, they're very powerful to me. And, and especially considering where we are right now politically, this little runoff election, which thank God doesn't mean everything. It's just, you know, a little buffer zone for Democrats. Um, man, it hits a lot of nails on the head. Um, and I think you've got this, these people that, that are just 
uh, if I can just put it into one syllable. But to your point, talking about humanity in general and how we allow these people to have <laughs> any kind of power is fucking incredible. Yeah. It's incredible. And to be so prescient 30 years, I mean, actually, I shouldn't say to be so prescient 30 years ago. I should be more like, God damn it. Why haven't we evolved in 30 years? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's a whole different discussion. <laughs> you got you got another two hours we could we could talk about this phone now? Okay. Luckily, we have a podcast where we could continue the conversation next week. We could. Oh man. Happy thoughts as we get into the holiday season, gang. Don't you yeah. don't you yeah. agree? <laughs> uh curious. <laughs> this one kind of went off the rails a little bit. Um, what do you guys think? I mean, this is rats, right? People don't think about rats and say, ah, oh, it's it's real commentary. Oh, they're just talking about rats. Like, no, man. Apply it. Apply it. I think you'll be surprised that despite the the cool funk grooves of uh of Jeff and uh and Dave Abrazis, there's more here than maybe you realized. Yeah. Uh and speaking of Dave and Jeff, we should probably take a listen to the uh, best live version of this. So let's go to our live cut of the week. Ready to stand up! Live cut of the week of rats. We're going to a very fun time in Pearl Jam's live history. Where and when? Uh, it's hard not to go April 12, 1994 at the Orpheum here.
this song is Dave Apresis. And this cut is. Yeah. I and mean, funny enough, a, was this like the second or third to last performance they ever did with him? I know. So the tension, you feel it. <laughs> it just it's it's not the same uh without him, with with Jack or with Matt. Mm-hmm. This is Dave's song. Um he had the funk in him to make this thing shine. Uh not that I wouldn't want to hear it down, because I do, but <laughs> you know, that the the slide, that 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 slide in from Mike at the outset's so cool. Um there's like, there's like an extended gap between the funky intro to when the song actually starts. Yep. I really enjoyed the ending too, which sort of kind of petered out as opposed to the more arranged, thoughtful ending that we get now <laughs> where they go, okay, we're going to end the song in three, two, one, do, 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 do. This one just kind of like went and went and they're yep. like, oh, I think we're ending it now. I don't know. It felt more organic. It felt like they kind of want, they wanted to keep playing it, but they realized they had to fit in like another 25 songs. So yeah. they just like, kind of just kind of fell apart. I liked that. I liked yeah. that. It's, 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 it's nice and tight. Yeah. So this is a lovely choice. Obviously not too many um, great sounding or as great as no. this sounding versions of this song. And um, again, Dave, there's yeah, been a lot of Dave him. love the last few weeks yep. in around the Pearl Jam community. And uh, this is why this is one of the reasons why yeah. uh, we love Dave. So there you go. April 12th, 94 at the Orpheum. The crew picked the set list. If you didn't know, the crew yep. picked the set list, and that that's available to you uh, if you've ever considered buying the uh, Versus Vitalogy Deluxe box set. It's in there in vinyl. How about that? Yeah, that's the show, gang. Uh, I am just about done with my last winter solstice from Anderson Valley. I may have to buy some off of Paul because I'm sure he has like 20 left. Oh. How many do you have left? Uh, how many? Uh, how many cases? Sixers? What do you? <laughs> What do, you, what do you need? <laughs> I need something. We're, 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 we'll, we'll, we'll talk off air. Okay, yeah. We're, we're still in the first week of December, and I'm out. Daddy needs his fix. Oh, I got you covered there, my man. All right. Fantastic. Well, we hope you're having a lovely start to the holiday season, and uh, thank you for continuing to listen and to uh, feed the algorithm. And if you're a patron, that thing. And if you're buying shirts, that thing. Um, and we'll see you back next week for our... Is next week or last? No, two weeks. Two weeks from now is the last no. week of the year. So we're going to start getting festive. Oh, we should start little, getting festive. A little twinkle in your eye when you said that. Yeah. All right. Tis well, the season. <laughs> until next week, you've been listening to the state of love and trust. Feel love and trust.